See, we talk a lot about like how to analyze your data, your aura ring, your biostrap, all these fun things. And yes, you should take advantage of those. But at the end of the day, the data is not going to tell you everything that you need to know. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to episode 137 of the Biohacker Babes. My name is Lauren, dialing in to you today, joined by my sister Renee. Hello. Hi. Hi. (laughs) It is just us today. No guests. We are taking a deep dive on intuitive practices. So, oh, we talk a lot about intuition. If you've been listening to us and you've heard our intro, you know it's the driving force behind the podcast. But we realize we've never really taken a deep dive. I said really like 12 times already. We've never really taken a deep dive (laughs) to explore what exactly intuition is and all the steps that go into this reconnection process, which is what we talk about. Reconnecting to our intuition because modern life, our conditioning, our busy lifestyles have gotten us away from intuition. That's why when we think about what kind of food we should eat, what kind of diet, when, where, what, how, exercise, all the stuff, we get super confused. One, because there's a million opinions out there and Google is at the, you know, the touch of a finger, but it's our intuition that we are disconnected with, which is why we are very vulnerable to all of these opinions out in the world, not just opinions, but research. Uh, There's all kinds of stuff. So we want to be able to reconnect and we do that with data quantification and biohacking, but also this very delicate process of understanding what intuition is and how to find yours because it's there. I promise it's there. We all have it. <laughs> it's just buried <laughs> more so in some than others. So we're going to, we're going to go into that a little bit more today. Yeah. I love what you just said that everyone has the intuition. I think some people think that other people have more intuition than others, but really if you remove the blocks and you follow the steps that we're going to go through today, you will find your own intuition. So I love that. And yeah, I mean, we obviously we talk a lot about like how to analyze your data, your aura ring, your biostrap, all these fun things. And yes, you should take advantage of those. But at the end of the day, the data is not going to tell you everything that you need to know. And I think it may be helpful. We're going to share a couple of personal stories of how we have personally combined intuition with data. So you can kind of wrap your head around what this will look like for you. And so we put together a three-step process. So number one is how to reconnect to intuition. This is going to be the bulk of the conversation, but we're going to walk you through a guide how you can do that. Second, how to create a personalized roadmap because your data, your intuition, everything else that's going on is extremely personal. And that's really the magic of biohacking because you can't just, like Lauren said, listen to whatever the latest fad is on Google to figure out what you do, what to do. It's personal to you. And then at the end, final step, we're going to reassess because we are dynamic beings. We are changing every day, every week, every season, every year, obviously. So we want to be able to reassess as we go and continue to perfect our personalized health plan. 
Yeah, I love this idea that we are dynamic. We are cells, we are energy, sound, frequency, we're always moving. And so a lot of people say, well, this used to work for me. It's like, well, yeah, you are not the same body. You're not the same physiology you once were. So we do have to keep reassessing. So what is intuition? It is this deep inner knowing. And the idea is that no one knows you better than you. And like Renee said, tech can give us some clues there and and reveal some underlying communication that maybe we are not as aware of on the surface. But tech still does not know you as well as you do. So we need to like layer this in this sub-perceptual communication in the body aligned with the data. But um, I think just to liken it to some examples in the world, like if you've ever been to therapy, my hand's going up, I've been to therapy and you like talk to your therapist, you're like, this is going on and, and you're looking for advice, right? A lot of people are looking for advice. A lot of times you get the advice and you're like, well, that's not really what I feel on the inside, but we're all looking for this validation. So if you've ever had that feeling of going to someone for advice, it doesn't have to be a therapist. It could be a friend, a colleague, a family member. And you have that natural sort of like instinct or hesitation, like, oh no, that's not it. It's because that's your intuition talking to you. So if you've ever noticed that, there it is. You found it. It's there. <laughs> um, and I want to get into some definitions of intuition because I, think, I just think it's sort of this, this idea that floats around and we don't, we don't have like a real grounding to it. So by definition, intuition is an innate inclination toward a particular behavior as opposed to a learned response. It could be a gut feeling, a hunch, like a sensation that appears quickly. So it doesn't take a lot of thinking, no rationalizing. It just sort of appears without us being fully aware of the underlying reasons. It just kind of appears if we can listen. It's also the ability to know something directly without that analytic reasoning, right? That rational the rationalization. So we're actually bridging the gap between conscious and non-conscious parts of our mind and also between instinct and reason because we don't want to just completely ignore reason. We want rationality. We want our brain to be able to digest and, and use like convergent thinking, but the intuition is really important to pay attention to. Intuition most likely has its origins in ancestral instincts, right? It was used for survival adaptation. We could not have survived from predators or natural threats without this intuitive decision, like to run, to hide, to hunt, to make fire, to store meat, to move to a different environment when, in, when it was appropriate. So there was no time really for this laborious logic. We had to just go on gut instinct. So our ancestors obviously were much better at it than we are. And I think that brings us to the process of why is it so difficult now? Well, there's this idea that we all have a masculine and feminine energy within us. Females, we have slightly more feminine energy. Males, slightly more masculine. But ideally, we do have a combination of both. We want them to act in synergy. We want there to be a union between the two. And with modern life, we are living a more masculine lifestyle for many reasons, <laughs> historically. Uh, but when we look at divine masculine energy, it represents plans, action steps, it's academia, it's problem solving, it's present, logical, focused. It's a deep desire to protect and build. It's a lot of doing. It's also technology, modernization, structure. It's all the things that got us to where we are in our modern lifestyle. 
When we flip back and look at the divine feminine, it's more nurturing, soft, grounded, it's trusting, it's creativity and creating, which I think are maybe the biggest elements of that. It's also holding and allowing for space. I love, um, there's this amazing book about feminine and masculine energy. Amanda Dober Smith wrote about it and she talks about holding this energetic container. So it's time off from work. It's like recess, hanging out. Oh God, recess. I would love a recess. We all need a recess. I'm going to build a recess into my schedule. I just got inspired. (laughs) It's hanging out with friends. It's making art. It's meditation. It's stillness. It's allowing our challenges to show us our gifts. It's just being. So the big difference is masculine is doing, feminine is being. And in the context of our modern lifestyles, we are doing way, oh, see, I just said it, doing. We are doing way more than we are being. Society has conditioned us to do so. So women in particular have pushed, been pushed more into a masculine framework. So I would argue that it's harder for women to be intuitive because we're being forced down this other pathway. But this is for men too. We're going to include everybody. Men and women need to create more time for being, allowing, receiving. And that is step one of reconnecting to your intuition. So we're going to put this into a step-by-step process, but I just wanted you to understand the energies. And the goal is to balance these two energies so they can work within us, right? We need to have structure. We need to have forward motion, but we also need to have the creativity, the allowing, embracing. That makes us human and whole. I think that's the word I was thinking of, whole. Hmm. Yeah. I feel like everything comes back to balance. Like everything you just said. Goldilocks. (laughs) Yeah, it's always the Goldilocks rule. Everything you said, I feel like you could have been talking about the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system kind of thing. Like there's so many things I was thinking of while you were saying all of that. We Estrogen, do need that balance. testosterone. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All about balance. I love that. Thanks for that Light, dark, sun, moon. Mm-hmm. Inhale, exhale. Hot, cold. We're on to something. <laughs> <laughs> it's the yin and the yang. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Balance. So the big question, how do we reconnect with our intuition? in this Tell crazy me. world. What do we do? So we have a fun list for you. Number one, we think is starting with a morning practice. Our brain is most vulnerable first thing when we wake up. And I think there's been a lot of books and podcasts and stuff about like the perfect morning and the early bird gets the worm and all this like morning stuff. But don't feel like you have to follow someone else's morning routine. So if you have a friend that at 4 a.m. is going to the gym and blah, 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 and it's working for them, don't feel like that's for you. You have to figure out- And don't be shamed by it. Yeah. Yeah. You will never see me at the gym at 4 a.m. And I am proud (laughs) to say that. (laughs) It would not be a fun thing. So- Yeah. I think you just need to find what personal routine works best for you. And a couple of things we can do here. Number one is a stillness practice. So if you immediately get up and check your phone or turn on the news or do any of that kind of stuff, you're immediately giving your day away to someone else. That's fine. We can help other people. I'm not saying don't do that, but in the morning, focus on you, give yourself that time. And that's really the space where you're going to receive, digest, reflect, as Lauren said, holding more of that feminine space. And ways we can do that in the morning, grounding, if you can get your feet on the earth and get those negative ions from the earth. So that connection to the earth, it's going to make us feel, well, literally more grounded, but happier, less anxious, less stressed, less depressed, all of those things. But that's going to allow us to connect to our intuition because 
even just the the science of EMFs around us, we are finding that the EMFs can block that intuition. I think we're going to learn more about exactly what's happening with that, but it's definitely a connection there. So just getting on the earth can be really helpful. Also sunshine. We know this resets our circadian rhythm for the day. It also gets us set up for a good night of sleep. Again, it's that balance, like the Lauren said, the sun, the moon. So setting your day up like that, 30 minutes, within 30 minutes of waking, get outside, get that sunshine. It's a game changer. Uh, movement. Lauren's really big on mobility, right? You talk about that all the time. Just some kind of movement, any kind of practice so you can get in touch with your physical body first thing in the morning. Go for a walk, do some of Lauren's mobility exercises, do a couple jumping jacks, jump on a rebounder, something like that. Tuning into your physical body is going to set you up for the day. And then I briefly mentioned avoiding tech. I just want to note that movement necessarily isn't just about obviously the benefits of boosting circulation and blood flow and getting your body moving. We get, you know, exercising in the morning tends to be a little bit better because we elevate the heart rate and and get things moving, but it's an embodied practice. That's really why we want to do it in relationship to connecting to our intuition. So many of us are so out of touch with our bodies. Our bodies are our instrument. And that's where a lot of the, the communication signals come through our body, but we have completely disconnected. We are so up in our heads a lot of the time that we don't feel anything down here. So a movement practice can just be an embodied practice where you feel emotions, thoughts, anything down here, like below the neck. So it's getting in touch with that. So it's not just, let me work out in the morning because you know my biohackers told me to do that. <laughs> Yeah, it's reconnecting to the body, and then yes, Renee started talking about avoiding tech. I mean, you get on Instagram. I'm so guilty of this. I'm so guilty because I wake up. I'm like, this is my business. I have to get on Instagram. I have to do do do, not be be be. But those algorithms are designed to pull you in and distract you, which is the opposite direction of your intuition. They're collecting data on you, so you're giving away your energy, everything away in the opposite direction. Also, our brain waves, Dr. Patrick Porter posted this recently about the brain waves. So when we wake up out of that delta sleep, we can very quickly get shuttled right into beta. That's like the doing that we're in most of the day. So we skip those theta and alpha stages. That's a transition from our sleep state into like full alert focus doing. So if you get on your phone, you're skipping those stages and you go right into distraction. We don't want to miss that opportunity to be receptive. So it's not like don't ever turn the news on, but really the first hour of your day is so vulnerable. And I think that's what all of these self-help books are talking about with the morning practice. Like people are shoving it down your throats, morning routine, morning routine. It's like almost a little bit annoying, but it, the science of it is that we're very vulnerable. Our brains are really vulnerable to protect that. You're right. Your brain is so vulnerable then. And then on the other end of the spectrum, your brain is really vulnerable right before you go to bed. Whatever you're feeding your totally. brain within 30 to 60 minutes of bedtime is, is absolutely going to impact your sleep. I think a common thing you can probably relate to is maybe you watched a violent movie before Jack bed. Ryan. <laughs> Jack Ryan. Oh, goodness. Do not watch that before bed. But you've maybe watched a movie like that before bed, and then you had crazy dreams or nightmares about running from someone or from a terrorist <laughs> being in a war. Yeah. 
I think most people have experienced that because like I said, whatever you're feeding your brain is going into your subconscious and then eight hours of sleep, it's going to be impacted. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, you putting that into your subconscious and then we, you know, during sleep, we consolidate our memories. So if that was the last memory you had before sleep, you're just cementing that. Yeah. So a way to hack that is maybe read a mindfulness practice or reading before bed, maybe do your gratitude journaling before bed, all of that's going in your subconscious. And then again, you're feeding your brain all night long with those amazing thoughts. It definitely makes a difference. And okay, but Renee, what about, so I've heard this from many people and like, I put myself in this category sometimes. I really just want to watch TV at night. Like it helps me unwind. There's a joy factor. It's how I connect with family, friends, like, or it's my time away from kids, whatever it is. Like, how do you respond to that? Yeah. I, I know that's a tricky one. And I know even Dr. Michael Bruce, who's like the sleep expert, he even says, if sleep, if, or sorry, if TV helps you wind down for bed, do it. If that's really what helps you, then do it. I would just say, if you, if you're going to do that, pick something that's lighter to watch, funny, romantic comedy, something like that. If you want to watch something like Jack Ryan, for example, maybe you have a cutoff, like, okay, anything crazy, violent, whatever that you like to watch, that's done at nine o'clock. Like you put a hard stop on that. And then maybe you put on like a stand up comedian for the next 20 minutes and then you go to bed. Mm-hmm. I still and think- just know your personal reactions to it. I know like Jeremy can watch anything, anything, horror, mystery, action until and just fall asleep. I'm very affected. Like I, I got into the show 24, like 20 years too late. I know, but I love that show. <laughs> and my heart rate was like, up and I could not fall asleep, but that's me. Maybe not everyone's like that. So hopefully you can come to a consensus within your household. And again, that's where the intuition comes in. <laughs> Start paying attention to that. And even if you just finish it, like I said, 30 minutes earlier before bed and see if that makes a difference. It's funny. You said you, you and Jeremy are so different because actually Ryan and I are the same. Like if we watch something too late the next morning, we're like, <gasps> what was your dream last night? And we'll have almost identical dreams. Oh, wow. It's crazy. So we're like, okay, we're not going to do that. But <laughs> um, So a couple other things. I mean, we talk about sleep a lot on the show, right? We really think it's the number one factor for wellness because you're having, you know, brain and organ detoxification, like Lauren said, the consolidation of memories, physical recovery, all of these things that are setting you up for the day. You know, we spend a third of our life sleeping. That shows you how important it is. So don't forget the sleep hygiene stuff. Even, you know, a few minutes of blue light before bed, they're seeing that it's actually pushing that melatonin release out 90 minutes. So even if you are watching TV, get the blue blockers out, dim all the other lights, light some candles, do things like that. Because if you're shutting all the lights off at 10 and jumping into bed, you potentially won't have that melatonin release until 1130. Mm. That's going to shift your whole circadian rhythm out. So the next morning you might feel groggy which some people experience if they take too much melatonin, they'll actually be groggy in the next day. But mm-hmm. we're seeing the same thing just from technology and blue light before bed, mm-hmm. right? So we want that natural melatonin release not too far after sunset. Obviously, that's going to change summer to winter, but just know that you need to mentally prepare yourself for bed. Uh, I like to say your brain doesn't work like a light switch or like the TV <laughs> remote, right? Wanna... <laughs> Power off, I wish. Power off. Wouldn't that be nice? Just sleep mode, go. Yep. <laughs> Maybe one day. And, and then more to personalize this, you know, the sleep chronotypes. I still think that this is a really good foundational thing, almost like looking at your genetics. It just is 
foundational tips that could help set you up better. So like for me, I'm a bear type. I know that I can schedule my sleep schedule, work schedule, caffeine intake, exercise, all of that around my chronotype. And I thrive when I do that. Versus Lauren as a dolphin, I couldn't do a dolphin schedule. I would be miserable. So look up your sleep chronotype. We'll put the link for that quiz in the show notes. If you haven't done it yet, please go do it. It takes 30 seconds, totally free. It's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a horoscope. It's so confirming (laughs) and empowering. You're like, yeah, that's me. Okay. Yes. (laughs) I'm a bear. I want to say just really quickly about the melatonin. I know a lot of people that keep melatonin on their bedside table is like a, oh, I'm not sleeping. I'm going to take it, you know, at midnight or in the middle of the night. I think that is far too late. Like Renee said, as soon as the sun goes down, your body naturally starts producing melatonin. So I wouldn't use that as a nighttime hack. Take it earlier. Yeah. Melatonin, it's really not a sleep aid. It's a circadian rhythm aid. So your body's very sensitive at what time of day you need it. You know, anything that's supporting your circadian rhythm should naturally support your, your melatonin release. So yeah, like Lauren said, take it earlier in the night. If you're going to take it for those people that wake up in the middle of the night and can't go back to sleep and you want something on your nightstand, my go-tos are GABA. Like even like, I like the dissolvable GABA lozenges, just pop one of those and that should calm you down or even Trocalm from prescriptions, which is Kava. CBD, GABA, but that's not going to make you groggy the next day. Mess mess up mm-hmm. your circadian rhythm. So those are yeah, easy or things. just some CBD. Yeah, or just CBD, something that's going to be in and out of your system in what maybe four hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great point. Do you have one more thing? Oh yeah, and then we were talking about those parents. What do you need to do to wind down at night? Alcohol. <laughs> just say no. Yeah. And well, Lauren, you said you, you hear this a lot from clients that they use alcohol to wind down at the end of the day, just, you know, one or two glasses of wine or something, but we strongly encourage no alcohol, at least three hours before bed, three hours minimum, because we know you can't even argue this, that alcohol disrupts your sleep. Even if you feel like you're sleeping through the night, I guarantee you're not getting enough deep sleep and REM sleep that you should be getting. And we just talked about why those are so important. So if you need some way to wind down, I mean, find like maybe like a nighttime calming tea or like, I'm really loving the Trocalm. I keep bringing that up. I just, I put a whole lozenge in. I know some people only need a quarter or a half. I do a whole and it just like, whoo, soothes me right into bedtime. Nice. I just think there's better options. Yeah. Those are all great, Renee. And I think there's tons of nighttime things like magnesium powders. You can dissolve their tasty hot chocolates that have calming things, calming things, calming things. Love that. Okay. So we're going to wrap that up. So we got morning, evening. The next big thing on our list for reconnecting is to nourish your creativity. So this really taps into the feminine energy and essence. We're all creative beings. Naturally, I was listening to this fascinating TED talk with um, this woman, Elizabeth, what is her last name? McClure, Elizabeth McClure. She basically was trying to debunk this myth that children are more creative than adults. It's not true. Children have more imagination, but creativity is actually a combination of imagination and like logic and reasoning. So adults naturally can be really creative, but I think we don't allow for that space to tap into our creative powers. Now to come back to the masculine, which is more doing and problem solving, the feminine creating is different than problem solving. 
creating would be like creating a new pathway. If you heard our talk about Mojo and Guella with Peter Rotano, you heard us talk about the fresh snow tracks. And so (laughs) this now creates some space for a plant medicine talk. I'm not trying to sell anyone on it, but I want you to understand the, the science behind it. Plant medicine can reconnect us to our why and our creativity because the psychedelics can help you to think new thoughts. So it diminishes the default mode network, which is like the same track over and over again, running into the wall, which could be like the definition of insanity. And we need to create a new pathway. So with plant medicine, we get increased neuroplasticity. We dampen default mode network. We can make new choices. And a big part of that is being creative. So rather than problem solving, we're creating. So that's an option. You don't have to do plant medicine. There's many other ways to nourish your creativity. Sometimes just turning on music and letting your body do that embodied practice, moving to the music. It could just being uh, have some time for, for joy with your, your friends or your family, watching something funny, whatever it is, it feels creative to you. You know, it could be getting out the markers or the, the colored pencils. It could just be sitting around and telling stories, whatever that is to you. But I would challenge yourself to look and see where creativity is, is fitting into your lifestyle. What do you do that's creative, Renee? I don't feel very creative. Oh, but you are. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, the next point we wanted to talk about is just like less doing more being with that. And for me, I guess my way of doing that is meditation or brain tap. Okay. When I do that, especially I usually do brain tap more often, but just letting my thoughts come and go. I notice that I think about things that I don't normally think about when I'm mm. busy running around all day. Yeah. Um, and I get more creative thoughts. I know like the other day I texted you in the middle of my brain tap session. I was like, I have an idea for an Instagram post tomorrow. And I like wrote yes. this whole thing in the middle of my meditation. So fast. But that's just, like, creativity. Yes. Okay. So that's my version of creativity. Yeah. So that's your imagination meeting logical reasoning. That's the perfect example. And I feel that too. There was a day last week where I had like a bunch of cancellations, reschedules, and I was like, I have time to go for a walk. I went for a walk and I had, you know, a full self-care hour which is normally cut short. And I came back and I was like, I'm going to do this, this and that. I had all these ideas and we started brainstorming and I just felt like super inspired. I didn't do anything different. It was just my mind had the space to create. So yeah, it's just the perfect example of why we need to do less doing masculine. This is not a knock on men, by the way. This is just, we all have our masculine energies in us and we really need to do less doing and more being. So find time to do nothing. Again, I'm like super guilty for all these things. I don't have enough time for being, but when I do it, I feel insanely creative. I sleep better. um, And I do really feel more connected to the natural communication that my body gives me. So it's an invitation. Come with me. I'm working on it. (laughs) We can all use a little bit more of that. Yeah. I think you have to schedule it. Yeah. I did. I put it into my like work calendar. Literally says Lauren, Lauren time. Lauren time. That's don't bother me. (laughs) (laughs) 
Hey, biohackers, a brief interruption to talk to you about the incredible benefits of red light therapy. You may have noticed that Renee and I post a lot of photos and videos that are overwhelmingly red in the background. That is because we are true believers in the healing powers of the visible light spectrum, and usually that is red light, but there are so many colors that we can benefit from. Simply standing in front of light can activate your body's many systems to work more optimally for better overall health. Light therapy, also called photobiomodulation, is beneficial to metabolism. It can help with healthy weight maintenance. Researchers actually believe that light therapy affects cells that store fat by reducing specific proteins associated with glucose intolerance, insulin resistance, and high triglyceride levels. It's excellent for pain reduction and supporting the inflammatory process and often associated poor circulation. There are certain light waves that can reverse the effects of aging on our skin, as well as heal and repair other areas of our body, such as our brain, our muscles, our gut, even wounds and injuries. I have personally found that healing from challenging workouts or even acute injuries from performing is much faster and much more efficient with red light. Light therapy is truly helpful for so many conditions ranging from weekend warriors with back tightness to those suffering from autoimmune diseases or those suffering from depression. The benefits really are endless. We had owner and founder of Lightpath LED, Scott Kennedy, on the Biohacker Babes podcast. And my biggest takeaway from that interview, he said, light therapy only does one thing, but it does it very, very well. It focuses on the cells, the mitochondria, and helps the cells to create more energy that our body needs to thrive every day. Essentially, we're kickstarting the process of healing. Everything is going to work better with this light exposure. Renee and I have found tremendous benefit in our daily lives and in our quest for energy optimization, so we feel very passionate about sharing this amazing device with you. If you want to learn more, check out our interview with Scott in Season 2, Episode 66, and then head over to Lightpath LED to take advantage of our 10% off discount with code BIOHACKERBABES. Again, that's lightpathled.com. The code is biohackerbabes that will save you 10%. He has so many amazing devices. My personal favorite and the one I'm currently using is the red plus near infrared tabletop device. The best part, Scott is his own best customer service. When you purchase a device, he is going to call you personally and explain everything that you need to know from setup all the way to finish to make sure that you are having the best experience possible. We hope that you can bring red light into your home as well and experience these amazing benefits and you too can light up your home with red light. (laughs) Let's get back to the show. Okay, final thing on this list, and it's a big category, but nothing really new. If you've been listening to us, data quantification. This is the icing on the cake. This is where we really kind of pull in some sub-perceptual cues that we need help with because not everything lives on the surface. So our data tech, which is revealing, it helps us to zoom out and look at the big picture. So we know with things like the Oura Ring, BioStrap, CGM, we're not looking at absolute values. We don't want to zoom in too closely. That's not as important as the trends that are happening over time. And the big lesson here is that ultimately you get to call the shots. Renee mentioned this in the beginning, that just because your data tells you to do one thing doesn't mean you have to do it. We have to layer it in with all these other pieces. So that's where like the paying attention, listening, journaling, doing all the other things that came before this, the creativity, more being, morning, nighttime practice really help. So we're just going to run through a few pieces of tech that we love. 
but you know, the aura ring always makes it to the top of the list. <laughs> oh man. We love the aura ring. Yeah. Just to throw out a couple markers. I mean, heart rate variability, definitely the best marker for resilience and recovery. This is my number one. You definitely got to be testing this body temperature, especially for the women for tracking your menstrual cycle. Body temperature is the gold standard for that. Men more so it's a sign that maybe you're not recovered or you're getting sick. So you can still keep an eye on that. So, yeah, I think the body temperature is such an interesting one because it changes for females throughout the month. So this is a big one for intuition for our females. And I think the newer generation aura ring is supposed to be better at this. Not certain on that yet, but ladies, if you've been tracking body temperature, you know, the aura ring used to score against you, right? If you had a rise or a fall, but this is a natural dynamic process of the female menstrual cycle throughout the month. So if you're not in touch with your cycle, the body temperature feature can be a really great anchor point to drop you into your intuition. So you can start to feel those subtle changes throughout the month. You can learn like when you're ovulating, when is your day 15 or 16? How long is your cycle? How do I feel throughout the month? So we're not relying on the tech to tell us because the new gen apparently has the period prediction, which for me has not been anywhere near accurate. Has it been for you, Renee? Last month, it finally was. Oh, okay. So maybe it just takes some time. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's learning your, your body. Yeah. The point is we have to pay attention to these markers so that we can then almost like predict them. Our body's expecting them. It's tied into a very deep knowing. So there is a digestion process that has to happen with these numbers. Yeah. And then I think, I mean, same thing with sleep. I think tracking your sleep data and seeing if anything is changing stages of sleep, sleep latency, sleep efficiency. As soon as you see a change in the data for better, or for worse, then try and listen to your body, tune in. What has changed? Do you feel anything different? And I think this is my classic example Last year in early December, I noticed my sleep latency went from like 10 minutes to 30 minutes. So that's time, the time it takes you to fall asleep once you get in bed. I'm like, 30 minutes? Why can't I fall asleep? What's going on? My husband and I put Christmas lights all around the house. We like, we make our house look like a Christmas bar or something. Even (laughs) Christmas vacation. Yes. Yes. We go nuts with the (laughs) Christmas lights. And yeah, even with my blue light blocking glasses on, it was still too much like ambient blue light. But I maybe wouldn't have noticed that if I wasn't tracking the data and then really questioning what was happening. So lesson learned there. Hmm. And Lauren, what have you learned with any sleep data or aura ring data? I noticed with my bio strap, like I used to not pay attention to the recommended sleep window and I started following it with bio strap, but I always thought intuitively like, doesn't seem like enough sleep for me. It tends to tell me to go to bed later than I feel like I should. I started doing it and my sleep scores are incredible when I, when I follow it. So I just think sometimes we're kind of missing the big picture. We're just so focused on small inputs or just think we've already nailed it. And Again, we've said this a million times. That's why you work with the coach. That's why you use data because we got to zoom out and see the big picture and see the trends. So, and also just be open to trying new things. I was blown away at how my sleep changed when I just followed the data. And, you know, that could just be worked into the algorithm. I'm paying, you know, I'm following their rules. So they're scoring me well. But I also want to think, like, oh, 
they're watching my trends over time. Maybe they know better. And so why not try something new? Yeah. Just connecting the pieces and trying it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've seen the same thing with the BioStrap. I actually love the sleep recommendations, but as a bare chronotype, the recommendations were actually really close to that chronotype. And the same thing as I found, they recommend I sleep like 10, 45 to eight, which like, I need a lot of sleep. I'm a bear. But if I go to bed at 10, my sleep latency is longer than if I go to bed at 10, 45. And if I wake up at seven or seven 30 versus eight, I feel more tired during the day. So I do, I try and do that the best I can with my work schedule. So definitely. And have you fallen into a rhythm where you feel like that's more natural, which is the goal, right? To just kind of naturally cement that. Yeah. I I'm waking up at eight without an alarm, but if I have to get up before eight, I have to use an alarm. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a sign that that's where I should be. Yeah. There's so much information out there about sleep and how many hours we should have and what time and it's just so highly personalized. So I know there's challenges there with kids and partners having different schedules, animals, whatever, but just keep trying to go down the path of finding your personalized needs. Yeah, so it's sure. going to be a different puzzle for everyone. So yeah. um, I think the CGM too can really help with sleep. That's like the number one thing I look at with clients what's happening to their glucose overnight, we can really see, I can see disruptions. Like before someone says, I had a bad night of sleep. I'm like, did you? (laughs) I could see your wake-ups. So we see how stress is affecting. So then it's like, okay, did your body naturally produce melatonin? Were you watching TV? Did you watch something dramatic? Did you have something emotionally stressful? Because we can see it through the night. And without that data, like Renee said before, maybe you don't know, maybe you don't know if you're getting into deep sleep. A lot of us just think that we're getting good sleep and sure it's super upsetting to finally see the data, but hopefully it's not stressing you out too much. The goal is to learn from it. And I, you know, you always come up against a challenge. It's frustrating. And then you want to solve the problem, which can be a challenge for however long it takes for your body to learn what it needs to tell you. But Hopefully we come out on the other end with it more of an intuitive practice and a more personalized practice. Another big thing with the CGM, again, this is for ladies, but with cycle syncing, I think we've loosely mentioned this on podcasts before, you know, macronutrient requirements change, exercise requirements change throughout the month, depending on what estrogen and progesterone are doing. Most women have increased hunger and cravings. And, you know, feel a little more emotionally vulnerable and tired right before their period. We know like estrogen, progesterone drop off. This is going to happen. And I think with the CGM and with any of your sleep recovery trackers, we can see where you are in the cycle and know that this is expected. This is a normal process. Obviously, PMS and unbearable periods are not normal, but you are going to have some increased hunger, fatigue. A little bit is totally to be expected. So I think having the data quantification to confirm that that's what's happening can help, especially, well, yeah, we're not especially for women (laughs) to release some of that shame around like the binging and the snack cravings. A lot of clients are like, oh, I just feel so bad. Like I just want to eat everything. It's like, well, what if we understand that your hormones are driving that and a little bit is normal? Can we release some of the stress around that? So I think that's where data quantification also really shines is it's like, again, we are dynamic for women. We have 
uh, a cycle through our month. Men, not so much, but also you're very dynamic beings and changing all the time. And so if we have data to show that we are dynamic, we can kind of release some of those expectations and stress around that. Yeah. A quick story about a client, a new client I have. She was emailing me over the weekend and she was like, the past four days, I just wanted carbs. And I'm like, so frustrated and mad at myself. I just can't stop eating. Oh, she my got heart. Her, yeah. And then she got her period and she's like, and now I'm just going to be tired all week. And, and I explained to her, she's a new client. So we hadn't really gotten into the cycle thinking yet. That's like our next topic. And so we kind of jumped ahead and I'm emailing her and I'm like, look, this is what's happening this week. And this is what's going to happen this week. And she wrote back, she was like, I could hug you right now. I feel Aww. so much better <laughs> about all of this. Yeah. Just because she didn't realize it was her hormones. So yeah. Just knowing that is so powerful. Been conditioned to feel shame around it. It's terrible. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Also, when we go into our period, that's like our wise woman phase. We're actually really, really intuitive then. So that's another reason why we want to pull back on the exercise, do a little bit less, allow more time just to be, because naturally that's when the intuition really kind of tries to emerge. So try not to schedule, try not to do, I know it's hard, but such a good time to tap into that. Yeah. To your best. Speaking of exercise, we have some cool new tech in the exercise world that as Lauren says, did not do at the end of your cycle, but yeah, let's talk about when we should do it. <laughs> the data doesn't lie. Yeah. Lauren, share your story about ARX, like what you've learned with recovery and looking at the data and how that changes. I mean, it's just a, such an incredible piece of technology that tracks all of your efforts and you will see if you are not recovered. I mean, I think our whole family has discovered and friends that do it. You really can't do it more than once a week. If you try to do it, you're not going to perform as well. I think a big part of exercising and like trying to determine when to go back and hit it hard again, am I really recovered? I mean, HRV is a great metric for that, but I think there's a huge mindset piece, which is valid. Um, I mean, mindset is what motivates us to get started again, or maybe makes us feel like lazy and not so motivated, but Physically, if we're just looking at physical recovery, the ARX is going to tell you if you have recovered or not. The data does not lie. So I think it's just uh, interesting. It's not a full answer. It's interesting to separate that mindset piece and say, is my body really capable of working hard today? And, you know, shouldn't be doing it more than once a week. Women, we should not be doing this at the end of our cycles, but just another like bunch of numbers to throw into the mix. And then I think what we have to do with those numbers is say, okay, how do I feel in the days following the ARX or following an intense workout? Can you start to connect the dots with your HRV, with your sleep metrics? What's happening in my body post-intense exercise? How do I feel? And then maybe you do an experiment like I did, go off of your trackers for a week and see if you can journal and guess what it's going to be. That would be the goal. Your body just knows because you've paid attention so intensely to all of your data. Yeah, I think that's pretty amazing to do that, to do the data fast and journal and try and guess. That's like a good way to, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but to reassess, am I really combining the data with the intuition? Yeah. Even if you just do like two or three days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
All right. Maybe I will. Right, we got to get to the reassess. Yeah. So next step, we're just going to talk about a few things to personalize. This is part two. You want to take this, Renee? Yeah, just a little bit more about personalizing your nutrition. So some things that we can look at through, you know, lab lab testing or some data. Uh, Number one, I would say genetics. I still think it's good to run a full genetic panel. It's going to give you a foundation of what you need, you know, nutrient-wise, how well you convert omega-3s, methylation status, saturated fat metabolism, you know, what kind of exercise you need. Take that information and apply it and then use the intuition. Is that how you feel your best by doing that? You know, a big thing for me, I've talked about this before, is genetically I learned I don't do well with saturated fats. And I learned that in the middle of like the bulletproof keto craze. And I was like, wait, what do you mean I don't do well with saturated fat? (laughs) This is good for everybody. Yeah. It fuels your, yeah, it fuels your brain. I cut it out and I'm like, wow, I have less brain fog. I have more energy, less belly fat. Like all these things were changing. Um, also I do better with more of a Mediterranean style diet. And when I do that, I feel better. I have more energy, more clarity. So just take that information and work from there. I can't tell you how many clients come to me and they say, I did keto, but I just don't know. I don't know if it's right for me. Like, well, let's look at your genomics. Oh, well you have this, 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 and this gene expression that say, maybe that's not favorable. So that was your intuition speaking. We have to trust it, but I think it's really awesome to have these labs as genetics and then, you know, any other reports to confirm. It's the confirmation that I think confirmation over time allows us to trust our intuition because that's another big thing. It's like, even if you hear it talking, you're like, I don't trust that. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to shove it back down to this deep place in my body, not listen to it. Yeah. That confirmation is huge. That's where all the, all of this comes in. Yeah. And then we can also look at like gut health and microbiome. You know, we're big fans of the GI map test or now we're playing around with the Viome, the new Viome testing. And I just got my Viome results back today. And a lot of it kind of matched my intuition, even like the supplement recommendations, like copper and glutamine, like things that I have in the past taken and I have felt a change. So again, Mm. it's that confirmation. I'm like, oh, I do need those supplements. And especially with supplements, I mean, as biohackers, it's easy to just get on like a hundred supplements because this is good for this and this and this, but is it right for you? So get the labs, listen to your body and then fine tune it. I think this would be a great experiment for any of you that are doing any kind of lab testing before you get your results, get a piece of paper or, you know, a document on your computer, make some predictions about what you think is going to come through just to have that conversation with your brain, your mind, (laughs) your heart, whatever it is, your gut, put it on paper, just see if you can guess. And there's no expectation. You don't have to be right or wrong, but can you see what your intuition is naturally trying to communicate to you? And then we get the the results and we can kind of like correlate, cross-reference and see what we need to do to deal with what's present. Right. And that's going to help you long-term so that you're not doing lab testing every month or whatever, right? Long-term, we want this intuition to trump all of the, all the testing. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll need lab testing forever, but yeah, but maybe you do, you know, maybe you do it (laughs) once a year instead of every month or something, you know, just being able to like cut back a little bit by listening to your body. Totally. 
All right. We'll always talk more about lab testing. So if you have specific questions about that, let us know. We're going to jump to our last part three, which is the reassess phase. Renee talked about in the beginning, we are dynamic. We're always changing. The perfect example is women. We go through, you know, we get our cycle, we go through adulthood, then we go through perimenopause, menopause after. But things change. Our hormones change, our metabolism changes, we accumulate toxins, genes express themselves depending on the environment they are put in. Lots of things are changing constantly. So we have to reassess. And I think some of those things that we mentioned in part one, some of the stillness and grounding practices are a good way to reassess, but we essentially start the process all over again. So we can reassess by doing breathwork meditation to drop into intuitive signals. We can do annual lab testing or biannual lab testing to confirm. And then we do need to look towards the research to see, you know, for women, what's happening in menopause? What should I be looking out for? What else would you add to that? You know, obviously the hormones changing throughout our lives is a big thing, but also seasonally, I see this with a lot of clients. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, some of that comes back from the ancestral health perspective. You know, I think our ancestors in the summer were eating more berries and more plants. In the winter, they were eating more like heavy fats, more protein, things like that, more warm cooked foods, some are more raw cold foods. And I see that work really well with clients. So don't feel like you need to be on the same plan year round. Seasonally mm-hmm. is really important to look at. Yeah. I feel like I'm starting to hear more and more people say, Oh God, I just don't want to eat salads in the winter. Well, you probably shouldn't be and like, listen to that. Um, yeah. I think Renee, you and I were really motivated to do this podcast because we get so many clients coming and say, asking us like, is this good for me? Should I do this? I'm like, I don't know you as well as you. And so let's talk about some signals that maybe your body is getting. And most of the time, if you sit with that question long enough, a client goes, oh, well, I really feel like this is, this is the best thing for me. Well, listen to that. This is like full, full permission to listen and trust and stop listening to all the noise out there, but also listen to your coach, (laughs) do the tracking, do all the things. I do think there's a lot of layers to it, but that is a sign that your intuition is present. And I just want everyone to know it's there. It's there. It's there. Keep listening. Keep trusting. Yeah. I'm going to close out with final piece of advice. Ooh. I'm asking, I'm ac- acting like a guest on the show. My final Yeah, Renee, advice. can you share one last thing our audience <laughs> can start doing today? Yeah. If you have a question about something that's going on in your body and you're trying to figure this out, when you get in bed, turn off the lights, close your eyes, ask yourself, think about it as you're falling asleep. And sometimes it will come to you in a dream or the next day it will come to you. This maybe sounds a little crazy woo-woo to some people, but I swear it has happened many times for me. Remember that subconscious activity is going to happen. Just give your body and mind that time and space before bed. I'm doing it tonight. It's like a nighttime fortune teller. Yes. A I magic think, eight ball. Yeah. Someone used to do this. Some Was it Albert Einstein? Someone, I mean, some genius. Some genius. Surely. They would actually like write out questions like this to themselves before bed and they'd keep the journal next to their bed. And sometimes they would wake up in the middle of the night with the answer and they'd write it down. That's where I first heard it. So cool. 
Yeah. Okay. I want to tack on just one more thing. This is not a piece okay. of advice, but some research to support the intuitive practice. I was reading um, psychology today has tons of stuff and they've been building this intuition quotient test to test for intuition. And just fun fact, they discovered that women are not any more intuitive than men. Um, and I think that's because we do should have a balance between masculine and feminine energy, but what they're finding is that intuition can be trained. So that's some really great news. And I think that's sort of what's going into that practice of the nighttime question. You can train that if you keep doing it. That's really cool. I'm glad that's available. Yeah. So how are we going to wrap this up? Okay. You guys are all really intuitive. We are intuitive beings, but remember your dynamic. Keep listening with your whole body, with all of your senses, with your heart, your gut. I promise it's there. You should keep having questions. You should keep seeking you know, be selective with your advice, but hire a coach, work with someone that can help you sort through it, lean on the data, but know that you always call the shots and it it could change seasonally, annually throughout the phases of life. We are like, I am not the same body that I started this podcast with an hour ago. Um, so keep listening to your body. And I think if we get on track and follow this five-step process, we can reconnect and possibly eliminate some of the stress involved with health, nutrition, exercise, because it's super confusing and overwhelming, but I'm going to have a little cheerleading moment. You got this. Yes, you do. Woo-hoo. <laughs> that was convincing. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> yes. We are your cheerleaders. And like we've said before, you know, the goal of the podcast is to teach you how to take care of your own body. We're here for, co- for coaching as well, of course, but We want you to tap into everything you can possibly tap into so you know how to make the changes throughout your whole life and stay healthy and live till you're 200. I don't know. (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) Amazing. Plus one. I love it. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or commentary, please write to us on Instagram, biohackerbabes, or email us biohackerbabes at gmail, and we will see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.